Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 163, Minds Worry. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. So today's episode is the first one in a five-part series. So the next five episodes will be corresponding to uh, part two of my new book, Just a Thought, which is called That's Just What Minds Do. So part two of the book is called That's Just What Minds Do. And it has five chapters about five things that literally all minds do. Now, I think this this is just one section of the book. There are, I think, four more sections. Um, but this section of the book, that's just what minds do and going through these five things. So they're minds worry, minds compare, minds problem solve, minds think we aren't good enough, and minds dramatize. So those things, and there's many, many things that minds do, that all minds do, but those were five that really jumped out at me and talking with people all day, every day um, as things that are so incredibly universal. I mean, literally everyone, everyone with a working brain has a mind that does these things, that talks in these ways. So all of them are just obviously totally universal, but they're also things that are very, very easy to uh, misunderstand and to take personally. So. When a mind is worrying, for example, it doesn't feel like a universal process because of how it does it, right? It, it brings in details and story about us and it's all about what things mean for our future. And, you know, there's just some very uh, specific, consistent features of minds worrying that make it really easy to misunderstand, you know, that get us so tangled up in worry and that have it feeling so personal and that have it looking like something that we, uh, for some reason, should pay attention to. Like it's meaningful, it's about us, it's protective. There's all kinds of stuff we'll talk about in this episode around worry. But for all of these things, when our mind compares, when our mind problem solves, it doesn't look like it's just a process. It doesn't look like a universal process of a, of a machine, basically. It looks real and personal and relevant. And that's where we get really tangled up and really caught up. So that's why I chose these particular five things. I actually had a couple more that I wrote complete chapters around. Um, but those ended up on the cutting room floor because of uh, being a little over my words and a couple of the chapters just didn't work as well. Um, but these are the five that that ended up in the book. And this section of the book is the first section. It's not the first section I wrote, but it's the first section that I knew would be part of the book. So in in creating the outline for this book before I wrote it, um, which the outline changed a ton, this is really the only section that didn't change a ton. So going into this book, I knew that I wanted to to really dive into some of these things that minds do that are so easy to misunderstand and take personally. Um, because I know I just, that's where I've seen the impact be for so many people for so long is when we can see, oh, this is just a universal mental process. 
this isn't me. It's not my life. It's not my future. This is a universal mental process that I'm innocently identifying with and in mistaking as truth. Enormous freedom. Enormous freedom. Maybe more than almost anything else. So I knew this section would be part of the book is a little more concrete than a lot of the other sections. Um, so that made it a little easier to to draft and kind of plan the rest of the book around. Uh, so that's where that came from. So, and that's where the next the next five episodes will come from. So today is about worry. And I just want us to look at worry in a new way. Look, we'll look at all of these things in a new way so that we can again begin to see, oh, that's just what a mind does. And it honestly has nothing to do with me or my life. For me, worry um, is a big one. My mind, all minds do all of these things and a lot more. So my mind does all of them. But I have to say, I mean, worry for me has just, it was a very big part of my early life. Um, something I really identified with. I, I definitely would have called myself a worrier. Other people would have called me a worrier uh, up until the time I was probably, I don't know, at least in my late 20s. Um, I don't feel like a worrier at all today. So that's kind of cool, like just to just to see and know that this is changeable, that even though it's a universal process that minds worry and my mind will still go to worry, um, it just looks very, very different now. But it was a really, really big thing for a long time. And I write about in this chapter in the book how um, how I sort of learned that. Now, who knows, right? It's it's what minds are, are doing in order to, um, well, I'll talk about that in a minute when we get into the evolutionary piece, why minds worry. But it's what all minds are doing because of how they've evolved to try to keep us safe and alive. And in my case, I heard a lot of worry from my mom. So as a kid, you know, you hear adults that you love and trust uh, talking about things that might happen or that could happen. And it just sounds like the truth. I mean, even as an adult, we lose the might and the could and we worry. And, and, and the things we're worrying about, which are by definition, like completely made up. It's a fantasy. Worry is literally a fantasy. Worry is a word that signifies a mind creating stories about something that is not real. I mean, think about that for a minute. That's what worry means. Our mind is constantly creative and it's creating our experience all the time, even of things that are happening right in front of us, of course. But worry is a special word that signifies, that is telling us that, oh, these pictures your mind is creating, they are not real in front of you right now. That's literally what worry means. Yet our mind makes up these someday future could happen, might happen stories and somehow leaves the might and could out of the equation. You know, like it's like, oh my gosh, what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? And somehow the what if gets lost. And these things are hap- that are happening in our mind are as good as you know, guaranteed. That's why worry and that's when worry becomes so debilitating and real and painful. And so I remember just hearing my mom worry a lot. You know, she was always a 
like me, people probably would have looked at her and said, yeah, she's a worrier. She probably would, would have called herself a worrier. Um, she was also going through a lot, you know, that you don't know as a kid. She was a single mom and and she was self-employed and never, you know, it, we I always felt like, and I, of course, I don't know how accurate any of this is because minds aren't accurate, but I always grew up with the feeling that, you know, we were one meal away from being homeless. And and I write about this in the book. This, that was kind of how it sounded like she thought as well. You know, she talked that way, that we were just about to run out of money. My dad was just about to get custody of us. All of these horrible, hard things were just about to happen. And they never did. And, you know, I'm sure they never were, but I'm also 100% sure that in her mind they were because that's how minds work and that's how worry works. And in my mind as a little kid hearing that, it was, again, it was as good as guaranteed. It was about to happen. So I think, I think it's interesting when you, how we pick up these sort of thinking habits from people around us. Um, so it's almost like I worried about the things my mom worried about because they were very relevant. <laughs> they were about us, you know, getting down to our last can of soup and running out of food and, and having to go live with my dad and all of this stuff. I worried about that, but, but right away, my mind would also jump to my little world and, and other things. And it's like, you can kind of sense and see and remember and hear if you're listening to other people how there's a process and then there's the content. You know, there's a process of a mind telling story after story after story about what might possibly could, maybe, what if is going to happen. Part of that process, again, is that then the what if, maybe, might, could gets dropped and you feel this stuff as if it's completely guaranteed and none of it is real. There's a process of that. And then there's the stuff we're worrying about, which is just the special effects and the details and the props in your story. So I can see that and remember it looking back like really clearly. I'm sure we all can, you know, how, yeah, I would also worry like, ooh, that would be bad if what mom's worried about happens. But, you know, but then what about this over here and that over there? Like, what if my friends don't like me? And what if I get a bad grade at school? And what if my mom dies? And I don't even know where this stuff came from as we don't. We never know where this stuff comes from. But what I could see is my mind kind of grab onto this process that I learned, that I heard a lot. And then it would just jump around to its own stories. And so for me, it did end up being like those things I mentioned that, I worried a lot about um, having to live with my dad and things like that. Um, not so much about the money part. I knew we'd be fine and canned soup wasn't the worst thing in the world to me. <laughs> that was my mom's fantasy. It's, oh my gosh, all we can afford is canned soup. And to me, I was like, oh, that's all right. I like SpaghettiOs. I, can, I could live on those. So that, that, never, that story never caught on so much for me. But, um, but yeah, things like failing out of school and really the big things like I, I had a lot of worry about something happening to my mom and all of that worry um, life was getting my attention even as a little kid 
you know, it the more real and inevitable it felt, um, the more I would have a stomach ache or a headache or all these health issues. I had twitches. I had just all kinds of little nervous things, anxiety-related physical things, um, as we do. When it looks and feels real, or, you know, we don't know the difference between a, a completely made-up story that a mind is off telling and reality, because that is reality, no matter how old you are. When you're in that and it just looks real and in that moment, there's no sense of, oh, there is simply thought appearing. There is simply a story being told and believed. When you don't have that sense, it totally is your reality. Even when it's worry and it's literally not physically happening in front of you, it doesn't matter. It is your reality. So so we feel it. So I write in this chapter and other places in the book as well, a little bit about the evolution. Now, I know I did a whole podcast on this, um, but I think it's so fascinating because it's a really, um, a really great illustration of what I was saying about the process versus the content and the what. So the process of worry, like the fact that a mind worries, it it can look like a big problem, but even that isn't a problem. We just want to see through it best we can. We want to see what's going on best we can. But in and of itself, that a mind worries is actually just incredibly intelligent. It's coming from, from this much bigger intelligence. And so... Um, it was in episode 99, I believe, when I talk about this in a lot of detail. But, you know, we evolved, our our brain evolved to be super sensitive to actual threats in front of us because it needed to be. So the the more sensitive and quick someone's fear response was to an actual threat in front of them, the more likely they were to live and to pass on their highly sensitive brain, their their fear sensitivity would get passed on. So we're talking about days when there were actual threats to survival that people faced every single day. Like, oh my gosh, we're running out of food or we don't have shelter or there's an animal or a rival tribe over there that's looking like they want to kill me. It's incredibly helpful, obviously, to be very, very sensitive to the early cues there to feel fear which is different from worry, but it was fear that we've evolved to feel. And as soon as we feel that feeling of fear, there was something to do because in this case, this was not worry, this was fear. And there was an actual thing in front of you to avoid or an actual problem like running out of food to go out and solve. So it was very simple, very cut and dry. People didn't sit around and fear fear, which is what we now call worry and anxiety. That wasn't happening. There was no sitting around to do. You felt something. It was, I mean, I don't know, but I would assume it's like, ooh, this, this feeling just propels you into action. There was no like, ooh, I don't think they sat around 200,000 years ago and talked about how they don't like their fear. I mean, fear was an amazing, amazing, intelligent gift. So you feel it, you do something. As soon as you do something, the fear is gone, which makes sense because there was actually something to do. You did it, thought changes, fear is gone, and you get to live another day. Now, 
that's the intelligence behind all of this. Now, what's happened, obviously, is that our brain hasn't evolved as quickly as our environment has. So now we don't have these real threats in front of us and these real problems in front of us that actually need to be solved. But our mind still acts as if we do. So my mom would have a thought about us running out of money or my dad getting custody of us or something like that. And her mind felt that as if there was a woolly mammoth about to eat her. I mean, that's literally, and you you too, and me too. Like this is how it feels to us now, even though it's clearly not the case and, we, and we're sophisticated enough today, surely if you're listening to this podcast, but even if you aren't, but we know today that our mind is creating these problems. You know, they don't, we see that there's nothing in front of us. But it kind of doesn't matter until we really, really see it. You know, we still feel it as if it's absolutely real and imminent and survival-based in this moment. So the, the, fear, the fear reaction to a thought, to an image, to an idea of, oh, no, this could happen, the fear reaction comes up. And it's, again, it's just, it's the same as that thought. It's like with that thought comes fear or some emotion, some energy, but there's no outlet. There's nothing to do because there's no actual problem right here in front of us. There's, there's no logical action to take because it's not coming up in that way like it used to. It's coming up in response to a mental image about something that's not actually real and happening in this moment. And, and so what happens is, I guess, like a mind just kind of takes it and thinks about it some more and thinks about it some more and probably tries to make some plans to avoid it. Because again, it doesn't look like our imagination. It looks like something that, okay, even if it's not happening right this minute, it's probably about to happen. So I need to do something. Now, our mind saying probably about to happen doesn't mean it's really about to happen, but that's how it feels. So, so we think about it. and worry about it and plan for it and spin our wheels and rehearse it and repeat it over and over and over and tell people about it because that feels better in some ways. Say it out loud because that lets some of the energy out and feels better in some ways. And so we walk around in the world telling everyone we're about to lose all our money and my kids are going to be, you know, taken away from me. And, and it's just, bringing so much energy about this thing that's not really real to life. And, and it is a completely like wise, intelligent, evolutionary thing that has happened to keep us alive, but that now today is just so completely misunderstood. And there's no immediate outlet. There's nothing to do. And so we just sit in it and that leaves us feeling even worse. So if you've dealt with, I mean, worry or anxiety, that's For me, I remember this too. I mean, that was like the worst thing about anxiety is I felt this overwhelming terror when I would have a panic attack. But all you do is you pace around and your mind races and you think, should I go to the hospital? Should I not? Should I do this? Should I not? But there's no action being taken because there's no action to take. There is no problem, but for all of this thinking that says there is. That's your first clue, right? When there's nothing to actually do, when we're sitting around in worry and anxiety and there's nothing to do, it's because there's nothing to do. If there's something to do, like something is about to eat you, you get out of the way. It's just, 
<laughs> such a such a great way to see what I, we're always talking about here that life lives you. When life sees a, a way to turn, it will turn. When there is no way to turn, then there is no problem. It's our it's our mind making it up. So nowadays, and what what they call a delayed return environment, like there's not a lot of problem, but there's still a lot of mental energy creating pictures of what could happen, and there's no outlet for it because again, there's not a lot of problem. So that's that's what we call worry today. Now I hope that that illustration. I hope what that does for me is a lot. <laughs> it, it goes so, such a long way in sort of throwing my mind a bone in a sense and my mind saying, oh, okay, so there's another explanation for this. Now, in the big picture, we, it's, this is not logical stuff we're talking about. I'm not, I'm not trying to appeal to your logic and, and help you see in a logical way what worry is and why, you know, I really want to speak to something deeper than logic. But because our minds just want to take control of everything and they want to do it and they want the story, sometimes I think this is so, so helpful to see, look, even if you can't see it, there is a logical explanation for everything that's going on. And it's a good one. It's not like the logic isn't like, oh, you're a worrier. Sorry. The, the logic is, yeah, your brain works. Your brain is doing exactly what it has evolved to do to try to keep you alive because it loves you. That is like probably the theme of this book is that everything that's happening is amazing and beautiful and for your good. And we just misunderstand it. And we're always going to, we are not going to get it. We're not going to come to some place where we truly fully understand how life works. But can we get over that? <laughs> can we get over it and see something about, okay, even when I don't get it, I still have a bigger sense that it's all working in my favor and it's all what's supposed to be happening because it is what's happening. So I don't know, this whole evolutionary thing, there's so much about evolutionary psychology that I've had a lot of insights around. Not because, again, it's like, not because logic, having this logical story gives us insights, but it's almost like throwing your mind a bone and just like giving it, making it happy. Like, yeah, 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 there's, don't worry, there's a good reason. It all makes sense. And in some way that just kind of tends to shut our mind up enough that that we can we can feel the bigger feeling behind what's being shared. So another thing, one more thing about worry that I want to mention um, that I see keep a lot of people really caught up in worry, and, and for me too, for years and years, is this giant misunderstanding that worry is somehow helpful or protective. So just to clear this up. <laughs> it ain't. <laughs> there is nothing about a mind making stuff up and saying and, and giving it a ton of energy and a ton of drama and a ton of detail, a ton of emotion and saying, this could happen someday, you know, that is helpful. We don't need that in order to prevent those things from happening, which is what a lot of people think. They think, oh, well, if I, you know, when my mind worries, then it gives me solutions to actually prevent these things in the future. No, it doesn't. 
because your mind is making them up to begin with. So there is no, no thing coming in the future that needs to be prevented. It just doesn't work that way. So did all my mom's years and years of worrying about us ending up, uh, you know, eating canned soup under a bridge somewhere, give her helpful ideas to ensure that we didn't end up homeless? Oh, not at all. They just made her miserable. And they just zapped her energy and creativity. And we all felt it. And then it just, it just led to worry spreading in her for sure. And, and, and around her, you know, so, and again, it's important to see, like, there was no real thing that needed prevention. Yeah, I'm sure we weren't rich. Like maybe, maybe I have no clue, but maybe we were close to losing something. I don't know. But even if that's the case, worrying about it is not a way that that we come up with creative ideas to prevent things or to fix things or to help our circumstances. Worry is a creative mind in its imagination painting pictures of stuff that literally isn't in front of you. That's what worry is. So I just think it's big to see because if to the extent that we think worry is helpful, we're going to worry. Of course, which again, is just complete intelligence. How would we not? (laughs) If you think something's helpful, you're going to pay attention to it. You're going to listen to it. If you think there's helpful information in your worry, or if you think, oh, well, let me just think about this and swim in this horrible possibility as long as I can, because I might get a good idea. Of course, that's going to happen. It's just going to happen more. But to just be curious about this, to just be open to the fact that maybe Maybe life is always loving us and new experiences always showing up and it doesn't require suffering and suffering doesn't make it better. And imagining scenarios that aren't real don't make it better or easier, that that does nothing for us. What if, like what if, just what if it's not at all helpful? It would really, really help go a long way in taking our interest away, you know, lessening our interest in our worry taking our attention away. These are not things we do, but but our attention moving away, our interest moving away are things that naturally happen and they tend to naturally happen a lot more when we don't think we need to, to pay so much attention, you know, when we think that we don't think that worry is helpful in some way. I think, I think minds also love worry because Related to this, that it's helpful, this misunderstanding that it's helpful to a mind, it's like worry is, is this odd sense of control. Like, oh, I'm, I'm cutting you off at the past life. Like I'm out ahead of you. I see what you're bringing my way, life. And I'm going to get there first. I'm going to visit this place first in my mind. And, and again, in some strange way that doesn't make a lot of sense, but it sort of feels like this is happening. If I can just know what's coming, then I can control it. And to a mind, again, that's constantly creating its I- these ideas of you and your life and your future and what's coming, this is just a really, really seductive way for a mind to, to keep its story going. Our, our mind has these stories that we are 
these separate people with these futures laid out in front of us that we're stepping into. And a lot of bad stuff might be waiting in that future. So if your mind can can be a straight A student and like worry about it now before you even get to the future, well, awesome. Because now we're going to prevent some stuff. <laughs> now, we, now we have a little control. And just see if that resonates with you. It really resonates with me. I know it doesn't make a lot of logical sense, but what minds do doesn't often make a lot of logical sense when, when we look at it anyway. In the big picture, it always does. But, um, but just see if it feels a little, when we swim and worry, if that doesn't feel like it's giving us some odd sense of control. And again, just be willing to be completely wrong about that because that just sounds to me like exactly what a mind would say. Nothing that's real or helpful or true, but that makes sense that that's what a mind would say. It wants to jump out there and beat you to it and uh, worry enough to to maybe make some change because it, it really thinks it's like pulling the strings in life. But remember, life doesn't work that way. <laughs> there is no future sitting out there waiting for us. There is nothing that we need to know or figure out or see right now for some other time. There is no some other time. There's this seamless flow of life now only. And sometimes that seamless flow of life is a bunch of scary stories and sometimes it's not. And it's all okay. It's all flowing and it's all changing. We don't have to avoid worry. We're not going to avoid worry. You don't have to get mad at yourself for worrying. It's just an invitation to see it for what it is. It's just another story, just another story. And to the extent that it's a not nice one, a not fun one, it's just good to know that, that it's just another story. It's going to come up. It's going to happen. Our machinery has evolved for it, but we don't have to believe it. This is it. Little School of Big Change has officially started and this is your last week to join the fall 2021 course. So students are in there right now. We haven't had any calls yet. You're not too late, but they're in there watching the initial video lessons, sharing their insights, getting support on the forum, meeting each other. It's not too late to join us, but doors close this coming Thursday, September 2nd at midnight Eastern time. And then it will be too late. So go to the littleschoolofbigchange.com to enroll. And I really, really hope to see you in the school. My new book, Just a Thought, is going to be out in a little bit over one month from today on October 1st. And I'm having a party to celebrate. On Friday, October 1st, the day the book is launched, I'll be hosting a totally free book launch party. I'll be sharing some inside scoop about the book and giving away some amazing party favors like five free seats. Yes, five. Five totally free seats in the Just a Thought book club and some signed copies of the paperback. You can RSVP for the party at dramyjohnson.com slash lunch party. And I really hope to see you there. <laughs>